Welcome to the Page Talks podcast, where we discuss issues critical to the work of professional educators and public education. The Professional Association of Georgia Educators serves more than 95,000 educators as the state's largest membership association and leading advocate for educators' public education and is a valuable resource for member needs with legal representation, legislative services, and professional learning. I'm Craig Harper, Executive Director for the Professional Association of Georgia Educators. This episode is all about the 2021 session of the General Assembly, which begins on January the 11th. I'm pleased to be joined by the PAGE legislative staff, who will present our priorities for this year, discuss the results of the PAGE member survey, preview the big issues expected this session, and consider what may happen with the state budget. Here to share their expertise are Margaret Ciccarelli, Director of Legislative Affairs, Josh Stevens, Legislative Affairs Specialist, and Claire Suggs, Senior Education Policy Analyst. Margaret, if you would, please share the 2021 page legislative priorities and how those are developed. Like many things in 2021, the in 2020, the development of our priorities this year was an improvisational task. We met with our legislative task force uh, who represent each congressional district in Georgia virtually in a two-part meeting, and they helped us define and refine the issues that are affecting students and educators throughout Georgia that need to be addressed by the state policymakers under the Gold Dome. So once these were developed by our task force, they were approved by our general page membership, and they became our finalized 2021 legislative priorities. We have four prongs this year. The first is personalized instruction. The pandemic reminds all of us that the essential relationship between teachers and students are what drives public education. We want to promote that relationship, whether teaching is happening in a virtual setting or a face-to-face setting, and think of policies and promote policies that build that essential relationship. Part of that is investment in statewide broadband technology. Lack of access to reliable, fast internet continues to be a problem for families throughout Georgia, particularly when pandemic conditions necessitate virtual instruction. So that issue needs attention, and it's also an economic development issue. Additionally, targeted interventions that address pandemic-related learning loss are emerging as one of the biggest issues facing public education. We learned today that school leaders throughout Georgia are considering a survey among all Georgia school districts to determine what targeted interventions districts are planning and additionally how much those may cost. So I think those interventions will be on the minds of policymakers. And additionally, ensuring adequate support staff are available to serve students, which allow teachers to serve their essential function, teaching in the classroom. That's critical. The second prong this year is mental health and school climate. And that's true for both students, parents, and educators. As we have in the past, PAGE will promote the, an increase in funding to promote to provide school counselors for all students and to get those counselor-to-student ratios Uh, within recommended guidelines, and also enhancing access to mental health supports, uh, including telecommunication and mobile counseling in rural districts. That ties back to our prong in the first section, uh, necessitating use of broadband or access to broadband statewide. Our third point here is supporting the development of hubs in schools which will coordinate and leverage community and state resources to meet students' mental health, physical, and developmental needs. 
We'll be partnering with the Georgia Department of Education on this prong. It's one of their legislative priorities for the upcoming legislative session as well, which is indicative of how important this is to local communities. And finally, ensuring educator well-being by protecting planning time and duty-free lunch and providing mental health supports. Our legislative task force gave us strong feedback that duty-free lunch and planning time are and are essential elements that allow teachers to serve students. And they also promote well-being among Georgia educators. School funding will of course be a big issue under the Gold Dome. As we know, passing the state budget is the essential function of the legislature. We want to eliminate the $1 billion austerity cut, which is implemented in the current fiscal year budget and also prevent the expansion of the two existing private school voucher programs. You know, we hope to deflect the establishment of a third voucher program. Those existing voucher programs need additional transparency and accountability measures and to ensure that taxpayer dollars are being spent wisely and that students are actually being served in those private school voucher programs. And finally, public health transparency is on all of our minds right now. We want to ensure the Georgia Department of Public Health provides transparent information on COVID in schools. And that's essential for us to understand how schools can operate safely or may need to go virtual in a pandemic. We need to have data that we can trust. Along those same lines, educator access to vaccines will be an important part of public health transparency, as will additional paid leave for educators who need to quarantine because of close contact for COVID-19 at schools. Thank you for that review, Margaret. All of those are critical, but I do want to highlight two things that we that you, you presented, and these have been ongoing issues that Paige has talked about for years that the pandemic has just really made even more obvious that we need these levels of supports for students and educators, and that's really about broadband access and technology access and also additional what we've called wraparound services and many people call wraparound services that students need those mental health and social services supports within school to be as successful as we know they can be. And so those have been critical for a long time. And we just know that it's even more critical now because there's lots of evidence of the difficulty that that students and families are facing during this time. Absolutely, Craig. We've known because of parent and educator feedback for years that access to these wraparound services and access to reliable internet are essential to keeping families healthy and educated, particularly in rural Georgia. We have lifted that up to legislators. And unfortunately, we've now reached an inflection point where it's become painfully obvious what happens when those aren't available to families. So it's it's definitely on our to-do list and hope it is on policymakers' to-do list immediately. We don't come up with these things just because of things that we think are important. It is based on the feedback that we get through surveys and contact with educators and others. And so Claire Page recently conducted a survey of educators as we do every year. And can you shed some light on the findings that we've found this year, especially during the difficult time we've all been experiencing? Nearly 6,300 educators from across Georgia participated in the survey, so our findings really do provide a good snapshot of what educators are experiencing and what they're seeing with their students. And again, this is across the state and across grade levels, so, so this, this really is good, rich data that we have. And along the lines that you all have already talked about, what educators are seeing in terms of the effects of the pandemic, 
87% of educators told us that the school shutdown has had a negative effect on student learning and what they're seeing, you know, learning losses in reading and math. And again, these extend across grade levels and subject areas. So this is really touching kids across the state. Again, piggybacking on things that you've already mentioned, the mental health needs that students have. About three quarters of educators have said that they're really seeing increased mental health needs, you know, increased student anxiety, depression, isolation. So these are needs that have to be addressed if students are going to be successful in the school year and that, frankly, educators need additional support to fully and effectively meet student needs. One other, um, I think, key takeaway that educators shared as they are juggling the demands of the pandemic, nearly half of educators are providing instruction both in person to their students, as well as in a virtual format. And this is putting considerable strain on them to teach effectively in both of those formats. They're very, very different. And so this is really pressing educators in different ways. And they are telling us that they're concerned that they're not meeting students' needs as they would like to because of the, the stress and the strain of, of having to teach in these two separate formats. Educators also provided some really helpful feedback on some longstanding issues, including accountability and assessments, as well as what they're thinking about the future of the profession. They told us that thinking about assessments, less than 18% of them said that the Georgia Milestones assessments provide them helpful information about student learning. So if one of the aims of Milestones is to get the teachers the rich data that they need to think about their instructional practices, Milestones is falling short in that critical objective. They also shared that they don't think parents are getting the best information to help them understand what's happening in schools. They think it's more important for parents to learn about class sizes in their schools, about the kinds of classes that students are able to take. Can they take art and music and PE and foreign languages? What do, what do parents know about teacher retention? That's the really critical information that educators think parents need to know what's happening in their kids' schools, not just a simple test score. And finally, as they're thinking about their own futures and about staying in the profession, looking at educators with 20 or fewer years of experience, about 14% of them told us that they don't think that they'll be in the profession in five years. And when we asked them to look out 10 years into the future, nearly 30% of them said that they don't think that they'll be in the classroom. So as, as lawmakers, you know, kind of going back to getting ready for the legislative session, as lawmakers are thinking about how we support educators, we really need to think proactively and creatively about how we support educators um, at each stage of their career so that we can really keep our, our best, most dedicated folks in the classroom and doing what they do so well. One of the things that you highlighted as you gave us that review was the number of teachers who were having to do essentially double work with in-class and virtual learners. And not only is that difficult just because it's difficult, but it's also two completely different kinds of planning and follow-up. And, and additionally, because of a lot of the virtual we've heard from educators as well, that the, the amount of follow-up that it requires per student is very different than when you have all of your students together or you're able to communicate kind of uh, a single thing to parents about what's going on in the classroom. So 
planning time has been taken up by a lot of things as schools try to deal with these things. And they've had to do that double level of work. And they've got all these other concerns with student social and mental health issues. So it really is just a, an extremely difficult time. We knew that, but this survey data and the responses that we got, especially in many of the written responses, just really highlight how difficult it is right now. That's such an important point. It really is. Those instructional formats are so different. And what they shared, working 12, 14-hour days, really trying to to adapt to and be as responsive as they can to students' needs. And they're really strained right now. Thank you, Claire. There's so much rich information in the results that we got this year that I know we're looking forward to sharing it with our members and with legislators and other agencies as we advocate on behalf of our members and, and educators across the state of Georgia. So thank you. Paige is going to use these survey findings with our legislative delegations and uh, during the session under the Gold Dome. Josh, if you don't mind um, covering some of what we're thinking is going to happen if we were to look into a crystal ball and think about those things, what, what do we expect this session and how are we going to proceed? Thanks, Craig. We're certainly gearing up for the legislative session as it begins here on uh, this coming Monday. We're not really sure exact education legislation that we're going to see, but we have heard some rumblings about certain items, including the items that Margaret already mentioned as far as the budget's concerned and private school vouchers. Other education-related issues that we're, we're looking ahead to are possible reforms to the teacher evaluation system and also the creation of uh, dual graduation tracks for high school students. There were some study committee meetings over the fall for that, so that's something we're certainly looking to see have some action we're not sure what type of legislation will be coming for reaction to the pandemic, but we, there certainly will be some discussion around that that we, we're anticipating. I mean, we've had conversations with some policymakers about potential changes, the teacher retirement system, mainly possible changes to the COLAs. We're not sure of any details on that yet, but we'll certainly be following that. Part of the issue with this legislative session will be the main topic of discussion most likely will be election reform. We'll certainly be following any type of legislation, legislative changes to election reform and keep our members posted. That most likely will be the item to take up most of the time under, under the Gold Dome. We're going to have some leadership changes this year as well that we'll have to account for. We anticipate that Rick Jaspers will maintain his chairmanship of the House Education Committee, but we're going to have a new Senate Education and Youth Chair as P.K. Martin was defeated in his election we will also have new chairs of both the Senate and House Retirement Committee, so it'll be interesting to see who is going to be appointed to those positions, and that could change a lot of the direction of what type of TRS legislation we'll actually see. We're also looking forward to the launch of a new legislative website here at PAGE. We're shifting our communication style a little bit this year to a more blog-style format to keep members informed of the day-to-day -day actions under the Gold Dome. We'll still be sending out daily summary email that will explain what happened under the Gold Dome with more information in that blog. So we look forward to launching that here in the, in the coming week or so to help us keep our members informed of what we're actually dealing with at the Capitol and when we will need their help. Because this certainly is a year where we're going to need educators to be paying attention with some major potential reforms that we could see as far as private school vouchers or uh, TRS or any of these items that we've already discussed. It's a unique year. I don't know that we'll be face-to-face -face as much as we would like to be every every single day like we're used to um, because we're not really sure what the session's going to look like at the Gold Dome this year. We haven't received firm word of that yet, but we will need members to stay in touch with their legislators. It's very important to maintain personal relationships with your legislator and to make sure that you're sharing your stories of what's happening in your classroom and what's happening with you as a, as a teacher. 
and a school staff person and how that's impacted your ability to do your job. Um, I think that's going to be key as we start talking about some of these budgetary issues. Thanks for that preview of what we think might happen. And it's always an uncertain situation, but this year it just seems like it's even more uncertain with funding and all the other things. And we're going to get into the budget in just a second with Claire. But as as we think about how the session ended last year, because we entered the pandemic and shutdowns and everything, and the legislature actually shut down for a period of time before they were able to come back and finish up the session. Talk, talk to us a little bit about, all three of you, how difficult it is or what's changed about the way we do our advocacy and how you've had to adapt and what how you expect that to change this year. Margaret? Reflecting our legislative priorities about creating learning conditions that support the essential relationships between students and teachers, but it's also essential when it comes to policymaking and educators. Educators need to be in touch with their state-level policymakers to ensure that those policymakers understand the realities of what it's like to teach during a pandemic, what students' needs are, what, who, what educators' needs are. And to that effect, with our 2021 day on Capitol Hill, we're moving that event from a face-to-face event, as it has been in the past, to a virtual event. And we look forward to having policymakers join us in a virtual setting and promoting advocacy between Georgia educators and legislators. And also just want to remind all listeners that establishing a positive and professional relationship is critical to having productive conversations and effective conversations about policies that protect and promote public education and protect and promote students and educators. When legislators receive angry emails um, or no communication whatsoever from their constituents, including educators, they may pass policies or reactive policies that that don't support what, what we want in the education sector. So establishing those relationships and building them over time is is critical for all our page members across the state. And I know that we we try as a legislative team and as an organization to meet with people in advance of the session, and we've really not been able to do that in the same way this year. So how, how has that affected the things from your perspective, Josh, as we really get ready for the beginning of this session? It's certainly been challenging. We've met with maybe two or three legislators when we normally would have met with with close to 10 at this point. Um, And it's a lot of it, again, has been related to the election. But at the same time, I think the challenges that they are seeing as well, meeting with their constituents, having to schedule remote meetings has, has definitely changed some of that. And we anticipate that's going to continue during the legislative session. We haven't, again, haven't really received too much guidelines on how these types of meetings will be able to take place. Um, I think it would probably be on a legislator by legislator basis. But we're certainly going to maintain any type of contact that we can have. We will maintain a presence at the Capitol on most days. We will also be watching things from afar. Thankfully, they have a, a pretty robust recording system there at the Capitol now That's was a long time coming. That's going to help us as we kind of maintain this. But it's certainly going to be a challenge. And again, that's another reason why our members need to maintain contact with their own legislators as well, so that we can have as many voices in their ears as possible on these issues. All right. So one of the big things that we've mentioned a couple of times that the legislature is primarily responsible for really is passing a budget. While it's always a difficult process and there's a lot of give and take, and this year coming up in particular, there are a lot of issues that are going to affect education. And it's difficult always, but now we've got a lot of additional pressures with needs that students and, and communities have. And you've also got this uh, influx of federal stimulus dollars and how districts are going to deal with that. And a lot of uh, give and take on that. So Claire, what are you hearing and, and what are you seeing happening with the development of the FY22 budget? 
Well, you used the word uncertain a few minutes ago, and I think that's probably um, the best word to kind of capture the landscape right now. There are just a lot of questions about the budget, both what the state's revenue projections will be. There's a lot of uncertainty about that. Moving parts that not only we are observing, but the legislators themselves, the appropriators, are still trying to get a real clarity on. And then, of course, the additional needs that educators are seeing that we've already discussed. So what do we know right now? State funding, as Margaret alluded to earlier, state funding for our current school year has been cut by $950 million. And these cuts, it should be noted, come on top of some kind of longstanding funding gaps, particularly around student transportation, which is a huge need for districts, as well as, as has already been mentioned, school counselors and mental health needs. So there were just some longstanding issues that were already challenging that are being worsened by the cut of the of the $950 million. When I think about, you know, funding going into the upcoming session, what, what keeps me awake at night, and it really does keep me awake at night, especially after all of the, the really kind of heartfelt sharing that our members did in, in the most recent survey, is how do we support students and educators right now in the current school year, just managing going to school in the midst of a pandemic, but then really addressing some of the learning losses that we are seeing in mental health needs. And as you noted, Craig, there have been federal funds. There was one infusion of funds early last year, I guess, middle of the year, and we're expecting a second infusion of federal dollars. But I think it's really important to note that those federal dollars are supposed to help districts cope with the additional costs that they're facing, not fill in this large, large cut in state funding. So, you know, there really is some question about how do we restore the the loss of state funds as quickly as possible? And then how do we make sure that districts will have the the resources that they need to really support kids moving forward so that our students, so any learning losses they experience are temporary. We don't want this to become a permanent hurdle or barrier for kids that really end up kind of diminishing their academic success and then long-term opportunities. Of course, all those things that we would do to mitigate that loss or to deal with the issues that every district is dealing with, with safety and other concerns and additional supports, strain budgets that have always already been strained. And we know I think of two critical things that are that districts are going to be dealing with this year. First of which is the legislature deals at all with some of the uh, QBE funding issues with FTE. Student enrollment is what funds districts from the state level. And we know the districts have experienced some pretty significant enrollment losses as families and students have sought other ways to deal with things rather than going to school virtually or some of the other things that schools have tried to do with. The other thing is that many districts were able to offset in some way, even though it was painful for them, they were able to offset some of that state revenue loss through reserves that they had available to them in their district. But those reserves may not be available again this coming year. And so if they experience another dramatic loss like they did this year, they're really going to be in a very difficult position going forward. Yes, both of those points are so important. We don't want districts to to be harmed by this temporary drop in student enrollment. They really need to have the full resources as they get ready for next fall for the students who will be returning. And that group of kindergartners that we know are coming, that will be in double size next year. 
And also the point about the reserve funds, you know, districts really have been thoughtful and strategic in the wake of the last recession and built up some cushion that they could tap into. But as you noted, that's not an, a bottomless bucket that they can continue drawing on. They will run out of those funds and some districts won't be able to at all next year. So just as we wrap up this conversation, really appreciate the insights that you all have provided for our members as we get ready for this session. Anything from our conversation that comes to mind that you'd like to just hit briefly before we close? I'd just like to add on behalf of of me and my team and and all Empage employees that it's an honor for us to serve educators working hard throughout Georgia. And we'll do our best to do that with integrity. Uh, under the Gold Dome, despite the challenges, um, logistic and pandemic related this year, we appreciate being able to serve you as you serve Georgia students. And we look forward to connecting you also with policymakers. And we look forward to hearing from you as a legislative team if we can find ways or if there are ways that you think we can better serve you or if you have questions or concerns about how the legislative session, which begins Monday, January 11th, about how that's going. Well said, Margaret. Thank you very much. We do serve on behalf of all of our member educators and want to make sure that we represent them well and advocate for things that will make a difference for them as they make a difference for students and communities. And we look forward to doing that throughout the year, not just during the session. We do a a lot of work all 12 months of the year. We're always excited about a new session coming up, even though we know it's going to be a lot of work and a lot of effort. It always is to the benefit of our members as we go forward. So thank you very much for taking the time today to review the upcoming session. And we look forward to the new communication tools that we're going to have this year. We think it's going to make it easier for our members to interact with the content we put out there and hopefully also encourage them to reach out to their legislators and reach out to you all for additional information if they feel like they need that additional support. So thank you all very much. Look forward to an interesting and challenging session ahead, but I know we're going to be there every step of the way. So thank you all. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Page Talks podcast. Become a regular listener by subscribing on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Learn more about the Professional Association of Georgia Educators at www.pageinc.org. If you're a Georgia educator and aren't already a Page member, consider joining us today. Goodbye until next time. Thank you.